there's just so many people that are in golf in San Diego and everyone's out here trying to grow the game. Working with people like that, I feel like if we can all work together in golf to make more people able to see what the game is really about and how much fun it is and how much you grow as a person, as an individual, and how you can talk about the feedback loop, really just see yourself, see what you think the shot's gonna do, you take the shot, and then you see where it actually went, and then try to reflect on why it went that way, and it just applies to life. And I think if people were to adopt golf as a widespread sport and continue growing it, it would be better for humanity. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks so much for joining us and please subscribe to the show so you'll hear about all the upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. Before we get started, I wanted to thank one of our supporting partners, Golf Genius Software, for helping bring you this episode. Golf Genius Software powers tournament management at thousands of private clubs, public courses, resorts, and golf associations all over the world. So if you're a golf course operator who wants to do less work, have more fun, and generate more revenue, check them out online at golfgenius.com. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Broderick Higby, the creator of Golf AI. On the Mod Golf Podcast, we love to talk about artificial intelligence, machine learning, big data, and augmented reality, and how they are helping to revolutionize golf. So this episode is a treat because all these things are right in Broderick's wheelhouse. Golf AI, it is the first app to introduce artificial intelligence into golf improvement as their innovative technology uses an advanced golf swing video analysis software to improve your golf swing using only your smartphone's camera. And the app analyzes your swing instantly and offers you drills and tips that are specifically tailored to help improve your swing technique. So with that intriguing introduction, Broderick, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, hey, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Colin. I'm really happy to be here. As a long-time listener, I really just love hearing every week. Appreciate that, Broderick. And you reached out to me to tell me a little bit about what you were doing. As I mentioned to you before the podcast recording here, that every day I've got lots of people coming inbound through emails that want to be on the podcast. They've got this newest thing going on. And most of them I'm like, mm, I don't really think so. And I kind of politely declined. But once I saw what you were doing and I reached out to you and we had a, a Zoom chat a couple of weeks ago and it's like, Broderick, I got to get you on the show. Love what you're doing. And as an entrepreneur in the golf space, before we get started, I know you're a golfer. So why don't you share with us your first ever golf experience, the first time you picked up a club, and then perhaps you can share the, the greatest, most awesome golf moment you've had so far in your life. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. The first time I picked up a club was my dad bought me or Santa bought me golf clubs for Christmas from my neighbor. I must have been in seventh or eighth grade. I picked it up and then I went to the driving range. They were adult clubs and they were left-handed clubs. I, I don't think I hit one single ball, but I remember having so much fun doing it. And then I don't know if I played again until after high school. That was definitely the first time I remember I picked up clubs and I'm, I had them for a long time. Greatest moment in golf was one time I was at uh, Encinitas Ranch in uh, your old stomping grounds and I went and um, hit a hole-in-one on the uh, actually that's not the greatest one the well, there's greatest. better than that there's better than a hole in yeah, one okay i gotta exactly. hear this go for it <laughs> no it's not better than a hole in one but it's i was at Coeur d'Alene in idaho and the best shot and i was on the floating green the famous 14th floating green on just it's just an island 
and I hit it 160 yards and it landed in, within a foot of the hole. And I was just extremely happy. I was playing with rented clubs. I flew up there with some friends. I was playing pretty poorly all day. <laughs> that shot was fantastic. And so I was very happy about it. Nice. So obviously that swing is the one that you want to repeat. And we're going to talk about this in a moment as we dig in all the good things you're doing here with Golf AI and the Golf AI app is how machine learning and artificial intelligence can help improve or capture that swing that you hit within a foot there and then repeat that one there. So before we get started here, I did want to mention to our listeners, of course, here they can't see you right now. We'll be able to see you when we record our Zoom video that we'll post on YouTube. I usually don't ask people their age, but you are probably the youngest uh, entrepreneur we've had on the show. So you mind sharing with us how old you are, Roderick? No way. I appreciate that. I'm actually 29, so I'm not, I think I look, maybe I look younger than I am, but I am, I'm 29. You age well. It must be the air down there uh, around San Diego that gives you that boyish complexion. Super funny. I don't think you have to cut this out too, but I don't think I hit puberty until like 18. I had acne until I was 26. And then it was just so funny. I like all of a sudden my my look just went from boy to like adult. And just like <laughs> within a span of a month, I was like, oh, okay. Now I look like a, like a Pinocchio say a real boy or something like that. That's amazing. Oh, by the way, I am totally not cutting that piece out. No, I'm oh, joking. Okay. Hey, I, cop? Yeah, what, what's that? What's that worth to you, man? Yeah, they, 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 maybe I can extort yeah, you now. Exactly, I've got it. Yeah, it's recorded. Yeah. When golf AI takes off, are you gonna have to be like, "Hey, where's my fifteen percent?" Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I want to be on that cap table now. I'm holding your ransom to get on your cap table. Okay. okay. All right. So Broderick, from that with your golf experience, I've had an interesting, you played when you were quite young and then took all of high school off before you started playing again a little bit older. So obviously, like a lot of entrepreneurs, you probably suffered from pain points in your own experience, and that is having a consistent golf swing. So before we get into the creation and the why and the opportunity with Golf AI and Golf AI app, can you tell us a little more about what you've done also in the technology space? I know you've done some interesting work with the United States Air Force and also with being the co-founder of Sappy Space. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Give us a little bit of a backstory of your earlier entrepreneurial and innovation endeavors that has led you up to the creation of Golf AI. Sure, yeah, I'd love to. I'll give you the short form version. I was in the Air Force out of high school in 2010, playing golf all around the world as I got to travel, which was really fun. Each Air Force base has a golf course on it. I still was terrible at golf, by the way. But later down the road, I moved from the Air Force to the Air Force Reserves. And I really wanted to move from where I was stationed in Arkansas to California. I went and doing a computer science at community college at the time. I was able to take online classes as well. Earlier, we were talking about as an entrepreneur, you always have one foot in one area and one foot in the other. I went and joined a startup that would track your surf workouts and learned a lot. And then I moved on. I was actually did a coding challenge for Google that just popped up when you do, did a Google search. I was searching something that was coding related and it uh, popped up, said, you want to do a challenge? And I went through this whole coding challenge process for Google and I got a job there. So I worked there for a little bit and then I went on to working on uh, machine learning, doing case study research. And then it went on to go work at Sony. They had a really cool project. It was called Project N. It was like Google Glass, if you remember that. I do. Except it, instead of being glasses that interfere with your lifestyle and everything else that you have going on, they would be on the or neck band. 
and you would walk around and then it would give you information on everything around you as well as like give you updates about your day, messages and stuff like that. And so it was really cool. It never made it to market, but it was a very cool concept. And then I got accepted into UCSD, UC San Diego. I went to finish up in, they had a a degree program for cognitive science with an emphasis in machine learning, which is right up my alley. I got to take all the exciting neuroscience and the machine learning artificial intelligence that I was just so enamored about and some programming and put them all together. So it it was a fantastic program for me. I really enjoyed it. Right before I left Silicon Valley, I started a company with my buddy who worked at Square, and it would find the best person online to market your small business or startup. So it would find micro-influencers, which are people with 10,000 to 100,000 followers. And then it would look at like their location, how much they talk to their users. And I built an AI algorithm around that to find the best person to market your small business. It was really cool. We ended up building it very quickly and scaled and had our MRR was pretty high. And we were in the process of selling it. And then Facebook came out with something called Facebook Influencers, which was the same thing. And we were able to find a company that wanted to buy it. Their company would find the best investor for a small business. So they were able to use our algorithm and some analogous stuff, but it would pair investors with startups. Nice. So that was uh, an exit you had with Sappy Space then, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Nice. And so if our listeners that are wondering what the heck MRR is, that is monthly recurring revenue, which is what all startups and early growth companies want, especially with a product in the software space, because that is the way you scale up. So and the way that you add value. So sounds like then moving forward, let's bring us up to where you are now. So you had all of these great experiences, you learned all these things about artificial intelligence and machine learning, you still had your uh, not so great golf swing. So what was the aha moment bringing this all together or seeing the pain points and the opportunities again, to then say, hey, I'm going to create an artificial intelligence based app that will help people improve their golf swing. Yeah, no. So my best friend and I, we were in the Air Force Reserves, which meant we would go up from San Diego to Riverside, a little bit inland every month. And we would go for a weekend and then do some work. But that work almost always be intertwined with golf or some other activity, but mostly golf. And I still was pretty bad at golf, but I was finishing up. I was looking for something else to do in the golf space or just not even in the golf space, but in the innovation space. And I started looking into different apps and different things on the market, different sensors. And as someone in their 20s who was in college, I didn't really have a lot of money to pay for a golf coach. I could see that some of the other apps and sensors and stuff out there only give you a bunch of numbers or give you a bunch of statistics that didn't really make sense, but wouldn't give you, hey, this is what you should do to improve your swing. So Ivan and I took that information. We were mulling around our heads and we were like, what if we could analyze someone's golf swing using something that they have on them every single day and allow them to get instant feedback on their golf swing without having to pay for a coach or do supplementary instructions or go find different videos on YouTube that may apply to them, but may not apply to them. The catch-22 about golf is a lot of people who are taking a golf swing don't really know what they're doing wrong. They're not hitting it well. They don't know why they're not hitting it well. And that was the case with me. I've been there. I've been there. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And so I took my knowledge from machine learning and AI. 
I built a big data set of golfers and golf swings. And I took, well, I, I can go into that if you want me to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Sure. Okay. So there were a bunch of videos on YouTube of fantastic golfers, but the only videos on YouTube of bad golfers were like really funny, bad golfers or like Narls Barkley or someone like that. Who, yep. Yeah. Yep. So I had a data set of good golf swings and I had no data set of bad golf swings or anything in between. So I went and bought a golf net. I took it onto the main lawn or quad at the university. I made some cookies and then had a bunch of golf balls, golf clubs. And then I just sat there for a couple hours and had college students walk by. And then I would record videos of them taking a golf swing. Most college students don't play golf or haven't played golf. Or if they have, they are only decent at golf. Yeah, I got a huge train set of bad golf swings to go with my good golf swings. And then I had to do a lot of learning about 3D pose estimation, which analyzes where the human is in space in 3D. So just from a picture or an image. And it was such a leap from what I was doing before, which was computer vision related, but not to this scope. And so I stayed up for days on end trying to build some software that would do this and trying to train our data set with enough examples to give us the metrics that show a good golf swing and a bad golf swing at different points, such as the hip turn, shoulder turn, shoulder bend at all nine positions of the golf swing, and then would also predict what part of swing the golfer was in at what time. It was taking quite a lot of data to get about 30 metrics or 30 numbers at the end of it. It was not my first experience with taking big data and turning it into something usable, but it was a lot of number crunching. And I was able to get me and some of my friends to just annotate golf swings and then try to crunch numbers together for a couple of weeks by just giving them pizza and beer. There we go. Pizza and beer. That is the currency of startups for sure. That's the way to uh, encourage people to jump on board since you don't have any money quite yet. (laughs) We haven't created a company yet, so you don't even have any any stock options. You can even offer them on a cap table quite yet. So pizza and beer work very, very well to inspire some people. So, hey, I I want to ask you this. So once you got going, it sounds like your background, what you did with Sappy Space and before with the Air Force and even at school, sounds like one of your many superpowers is on the technology stack side and developing that. So what did you do? Pretend I'm putting on my investor hat here and I'm gonna I'm not going to grind you too much here like we're on Shark Tank or anything. But tell us a little bit here is how you then avoided that misstep of creating something awesome and cool as a solution that doesn't really have a problem or people aren't willing to pay for. So what did you do at the same time as your market validation as you developed this before you released the app, which I just downloaded on my iPhone here only an hour before we started. So I haven't had a chance, Broderick. Sorry to say that I haven't played with it quite yet, but I will very soon. So what did you do then those other aspects? Like how big is the market? What is the price point here? How do you go out as far as amplifying the signal to actually get your user base up here? So talk about that a little bit as far as the business side of what you've been developing here and, and where you are right now with Golf AI app. Yeah, no, that that's a fantastic question. And in the beginning, it was, was something I wasn't even looking at. I was just trying to build it for myself or a couple of my friends could use it. So Ivan and I would have better golf swings. Got to be a way to fix it. But later down the road, I saw some validity to it. I worked with a couple mentors around San Diego that are in the golf space. And we went and built market validation pitch decks around to try to figure out, could this be a business or is it just a product? Is this a valid idea or is it just something that is cool and would end up on the internet somewhere on a YouTube video? And thankfully, UC San Diego had a bunch of different pitch competitions that I was able to attend and really refine that part of the business. 
at first, I didn't really have a plan, but then it, it definitely developed into looking at National Golf Foundation reports and seeing that there's 43 million golfers in the world and that each golfer spends on average around 1600 a year on golf. But the golf instruction market is a $1 billion market. Right. Uh, going into, I looked at the product landscape. And at the time, there were no other competitors. There are some now, I can go into that later, but it was pretty revolutionary what we were doing with putting 3D pose on your phone. So it doesn't need to send to a server or anything like that. And you can just get your swing analyzed instantly. So at first, I naively thought that the market would just build around it. We had a good amount of interest, but we ended up getting tailoring that by going into Sereno Valley and Torrey Pines, the different golf courses around San Diego, and talking to the golfers everywhere. We would go up to golfers at the driving range, and we would just start a conversation with them and say, hey, how do you improve? And we were really trying to find our market. It ended up a lot of our users are 19 to 45, which is that's a big majority, male and female. And then the second largest is 45 to 58. And then it goes down significantly from there. We have a lot of Gen Y, Gen Z, and Gen X people that really love the product. And then I think maybe the older people are already too good. They have already have a fantastic golf swing, or maybe they don't care about improving anymore. There's a plan. Well, it's also the technology too. Things we've talked about before as far as whether it's certain books or certain speakers that we're inspired by. But one of the things, and you've been in technology long enough in development, you know that timeline, that graph, that curve that they call the technology adoption timeline. It's a curve that has a hump in the middle. So they've got that front end of 10% or 7% of the population as those innovators or early adopters, those people back in the day, that first iPhone would wait 24 hours outside in the rain to buy the first one just to say that they did. And then you get that second group group, that early majority, as they say, that you need to get traction, yeah. really get your product out there. And then you get over the hump and it's the late majority. Yeah. And then that end piece is that 10% of what they call laggards that if, if they had a phone that would still be attached to their wall with a curly cord attached to it with, with a rotary dial, do you even know what that is? Maybe I'm yeah. aging myself here. They would still have that. They go, that's good enough, right? So a lot of those people, I think the older ones too, are the laggards, those Luddites that will say, it's like, nah, nah not for me. To say in entrepreneurship is like, you may have the most beautiful peach that you grew. That's the most delicious peach. And you try to go here, have eat this peach. And the person says, I, I hate peaches. No, well, this peach is amazing. He's like, you know what? Go find someone that likes peaches, right? Yeah. Leave the people alone that don't like peaches. You know, they're not your audience and that's okay. So with that, I wanted to ask you this kind of shifting gears a little bit here. Walk us through the user experience. Like I said, I haven't had a chance to go through it yet myself. I just didn't have the time yet. So let's say I just downloaded the app. I'm going out to the driving range. Is like, hey, I'm going to analyze my swing here. I want to improve. So walk us through what the experience would be like using Golf AI app. Sure. So you, you go to the driving range, you set it up, you can set it against a water bottle, or you can, if you have a tripod, or if you can set it against your golf bag, you can put it either down the line. So it's facing, it's between you and the target, and it can see both of you, or you can put it face on so it can just see you. And then it can analyze a bunch of different points. And then what you'll do is you'll, you'll set it up, you'll get in view of the camera, it'll give you a little countdown. And then once it starts recording, you take a swing, you go back, press stop, it asks you where the golf ball went. And then based on the metrics that it gets at each part of your golf swing, it will give you an overall swing score as well as a breakdown of what you should focus on first 
For me, it's hip turn and impact is like the biggest thing for me to work on to have my hips more open facing the target. And then it'll give you tips on what a good hip turn looks like and what a bad hip turn looks like. And then it'll also give you a drill breakdown, which is here's what drills you can do to improve your swing. That's a basic overview of it. There's some more in the works. We're going to give you access to all the drills as well as all of your drills and then build an entire drill plan for you around how you can improve your game from beginner to get you to that intermediate level and get you out to actually play at the golf course. Nice. Nice. So I did download, of course, on my iPhone here. So obviously you're up and running on iOS. Do you also have a version that works on Android too? We do not have a version that works on Android. At first, we were trying to build a cross-platform version and put our machine learning on both platforms. However, we found out on the Android side, at first, we weren't able to get the machine learning to work because the phones vary so much. On the iPhone, they gave you access to the core GPU and you could just soar with it. It It would go really fast. However, now that we've grown, a lot of our users are in South Korea and we are building an Android version. Yeah. So that's your, your next phase of rollout here. And I'm assuming that right now you're considered a, a startup early growth company now that you've got the product in market and you're pretty much bootstrapping this, I'm assuming for now. So you are looking for investment, I'm assuming, to help take it to the next level? Yeah, we are. So far, I've been bootstrapping it. We have behind Golf AI, a fantastic team of engineers and other people that have helping us from day one. Without them, we wouldn't be near half of where we are now. Uh, so I've been bootstrapping it. But yeah, we're now looking for investment. And we're at a point where our sales are growing enough for us to, for an investor to see that and then justify investing in it. So we're at, a, we're at a pretty good stage. You have some numbers and some traction to actually back it up rather than the pitch deck of just smiling and waving your hands in the air and just hoping for the best. So, so we understand here, when did you launch the app on iOS? How long ago was that? So I started it in September of 2018, and then it took me maybe six or seven months to build the AI around it. And then we launched it in January 2019 on the App Store right before the PGA at Torrey Pines, because so we could show it off there. Nice. I know you have a good story there with Tory Pines, but I want you to hold on to that one. We'll talk about that one when we jump on our Zoom video interview okay. that will be as part of our Mod Golf YouTube channel that we'll put on. Because I know there's a really good story there that's kind of helped you move forward. But I wanted to ask you this. So right now, as far as like I'm asking the investor questions again here, so you have recurring revenue now? You've actually got paid users or is everybody on this freemium model at the moment? We have paid users. Yeah, we, we have monthly subscription for four ninety nine and then annual subscription for $45. And then- Awesome. Yeah, so we, we have paid users. A lot of them are in America, would be the majority of them. But just this week alone, we've had people from Belgium, Singapore, Colombia, Never would have thought I would build software that someone in like South Africa would download. But it's, it's very cool for all our team to see that people all around the world are using it. Then how are they finding you? Do you have any idea? It's just through App Store search. Yeah, that's, okay. which is crazy because one of the things we are laying on is marketing. But we do app, Apple Store ads and that's I think that's how they're finding us, which is really nice. 
Yeah. Wanted to bring up a couple of things here for people listening that are considering entrepreneurship or they have a product idea of thinking about, oh, there's so many things to consider here that we've already talked about with Broderick here. So all these different balls you have to juggle in the air. But there are certain hacks that you can help propel your way forward, especially to validate things early to find out if it is something that people want to pay for. So if it's not, you can find out early enough. And then as they say, fail fast, or I don't like to use that term too much, the F word in that sense, but then you can, you know what, try something else instead and realize, well, yeah, maybe there is in the market rather than taking a year or two or three years to find that out or find that out very quickly. So are you starting to use, or once you actually get on Android with a Google platform, are you going to start to use Google Analytics and Google Ads a little bit more than an SEO in order to optimize that so people can find you and get your ranking up a little bit? Yeah, we do Google Analytics. We've been doing it for a while. We do SEO as well. Our Instagram and our Facebook page are something that we've been working on building out more recently. But our Google Analytics, and really, like you were saying, Colin, trying to fail fast and making sure that we're doing it correctly, we realized that a lot of people were getting caught up on a sentence that they didn't understand that we put in the app. It was confusing them. They were selecting the wrong images. They're like the top of their backswing. And we just went in and fixed it pretty quickly. And we were able to see a drastic improvement in the number of people who go through the entire process of taking a swing and then getting feedback and then improving on that feedback. Yeah, nice. And that feedback loop is so important there. So once again, for entrepreneurs, whether you're actually a golf course owner and operator, and you're looking at ways to innovate, and you want to try certain things, and you think, oh, we need to make this perfect. There is no perfect, especially in the startup world or the innovation world here that you did that lean startup thing of getting it out there, that minimal viable product, even though it's not perfect with only a couple of core features, and then getting user feedback and constantly improving and iterating and doing that. And that's it's crucially important. So just get something out there. If you're not looking back six months, a year, two years and wincing at what you put out, that means that A, you've waited too long to put it into market and also you haven't improved at all. And I can say the same thing with the podcast here. I go back every once in a while, listen to my first ever episode. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did I sound like that? And that shows that uh, I'm getting a little better at this. <laughs> that, uh, that's the way it works. Yeah. Everything I do in entrepreneurship. So, hey, I want to ask you one more question before we finish up here and then we jump onto our Zoom video call. That is if you can share with our listeners, one of the keys to, to being a successful entrepreneur is reaching out for help and partnerships in order to go farther and also faster. So you can share with us what you've done to reach out to partnerships and also who has inspired you either as mentors or even other entrepreneurs or things you've read or things that you've watched. If you can tell us a little bit of that, of who inspires you and motivates you, Roderick, as an entrepreneur. Yeah, thanks. That's a good question. So one of the big ones was being a veteran. I was able to reach out to a huge group of entrepreneurs who were formerly in the military, which is really cool. And that allowed me to reach out to a vast amount of different people that were helpful. But also just there are a lot of mentors in San Diego and, and from my previous experiences in San Francisco that would give me advice. It's hard to find someone that's specifically in golf and golf entrepreneurship like you or me. But if you have a specific question about just entrepreneurship, you can find quite a few different people on, I imagine, in your life or online even that will offer good advice. One of the big things that really helped me was just getting their email or sending them a letter, a written letter, or just asking them a question. 
I sent a letter to Elon Musk one time and Tim Cook and a couple other people. No one got back to me, but I, I tried sending a letter just, just to see if they would respond and asking them for very specific entrepreneurship advice. This was maybe six or seven years ago. I sent one letter out. It was to the guy who started WD-40, which is in San Diego. Okay. And he did respond and he gave me some good advice, which was really interesting. I was just trying to find entrepreneurs in San Diego. But I think as you go on, if you can make connections, and there are definitely better ways to make connections besides just cold emails, cold letters. But when you're starting out, it seems like a really good way to get your name out there and get people to talk to you. Yeah, it is a great place to start. And you know, you're showing that entrepreneurial hustle. And I like the fact you were reaching out to them and asking for help and asking really posing a question rather than hey, I'm doing this thing and you'll love this. And it's like <laughs> investors hear this all yeah. the time. And myself as an angel investor and other friends that I have too, we hear this all the time. And people think entrepreneurs think yeah, showing that hustle and just getting in someone's face could be a little bit off putting you got to build up those relationships. And that takes years. And like I said, that was six years ago. And you're obviously a different human being and different entrepreneur than you were then and you spent that time just as I have offering to help other people too and offering value and as they say especially investors say I've heard this a lot with a lot of uh, venture capitalists that if you ask for money you'll end up getting advice but if you ask for help or ask for advice you know when the conversation starts and they get to know you sometimes you'll end up getting money and it's funny how that works over time so it sounds like you've certainly done that so I also find it interesting you touched on you being in the San Diego area. It took me a couple of years of getting in the sport entrepreneurship innovation space about seven or eight years ago that I didn't even realize your backyard there really is the Silicon Valley for sport tech, for sport innovation. All that hub there, whether it's Carlsbad, Encinitas, San Diego, there is this ecosystem there that myself being up here, Northview here in Vancouver, Canada, I wish I could spend more time down there, but I will again because there's a lot going on down there. There's a lot of activity. So so yeah, it's it really, a good place to be. Yeah, it really is. I don't know if you have any listeners from Callaway or TaylorMade or Titleist or Topgolf or any of them, but I'll reach out to them too. There's just so many people that are in golf in San Diego and everyone's out here trying to grow the game. And working with people like that, I feel like if we can all work together in golf to make more people able to see what the game is really about and how much fun it is and how much you grow as a person, as an individual, and how you can talk about the feedback loop, really just see yourself, see what you think the shot's going to do. You take the shot. And then you see where it actually went and then try to reflect on why it went that way. And it just applies to life. And I think if people were to adopt golf as a widespread sport and continue growing it, it would be better for humanity. But yeah. <laughs> nicely put. Nicely put. And that old entrepreneurship adage of a rising tide lifts all boats. This is, we said, an $85 billion a year industry, and it is expanding. It is getting bigger. So there's room for everybody. The pie is getting bigger. The sandbox is getting bigger. Whatever simple analogy you want to use, that is there. Yeah, working together, definitely the way to go, that power of partnerships. So hey, the last thing I want to ask you here. So the second part of my long-winded, kind of confusing two-part question before was, who inspires you as an entrepreneur? Things that you've read, YouTube videos, or all the above. So who personally, and also you've actually seen it as influencers out there and maybe some some entrepreneurial heroes 
who inspires and influences you? Uh, that is a fantastic question. You'll definitely see in our YouTube video, there's a bunch of entrepreneur books behind me. I think Ben Horowitz, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, it was a fantastic book. We were talking about Simon Sinek earlier. I think the infinite game, kind of looking into seeing each other as not competition, but really as us growing something together for humanity, individual businesses are coming together. I think Simon Sinek's been very inspirational. I just finished uh, Charles Schwab's book, Invested, was really good. And it went into actually how he used golf in his life to help him reflect and think on different things in his investment life. Golf played a, a big role in his part. As far as close connections, I mean, there are a lot of people. There was an accelerator program called The Basement at UC San Diego. And there were a couple of guys named Eric and George who were pretty inspirational mentors. The other entrepreneurs out there that have been through the struggle and like yourself, Colin, you know how some days are really fantastic. Other days, is the company going to last another month or two? And then some days are like, oh my God, we have so many users. <laughs> I'm living that life. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is the entrepreneurial journey that we are both on. And it's not for everybody. It's not easy, but it's incredibly rewarding. And I will say in my journey of, let's say, that transformation from almost eight years ago, where I spent the first couple of decades of my career as an architect in that sport architecture realm, and then seeing the opportunities in the golf industry, and then the podcast here with meeting amazing people almost 90 episodes in, I wouldn't want to do it any differently, even though has it been easy? No. Has it been a straight line? Absolutely not. But yeah, it's been pretty awesome. I agree. It's just such a journey. It's definitely great to have other people on it with you. Yeah. And your journey will continue. You're just getting started here. And hey, who knows? Perhaps we'll have to jump back on an episode another year or so to see where things are with Golf AI and Golf AI app. But before we finish up here, to close, Broderick Higby, who is the creator of Golf AI and Golf AI app, why don't you tell our listeners here, well, right now, if they are, of course, on an iPhone and coming to Android very soon, why don't you let them know where they can learn more about Golf AI app and Golf AI and how they can download your app? Yeah, thanks, Colin. The They can go to the App Store, type in Golf Space AI, or they can go to golfaiapp.com and then the download link's right there. If you email me at brody at datahinge.org, that's our parent company. We're looking for users to uh, test it since COVID started. <laughs> We're not able to go to the driving range anymore and bug users. And so I'll give you a beta link and that'll allow you to test the app for free and it'll be lifetime subscription if we keep the beta link alive. Yeah, so we're looking for users. But if you go to golfaiapp.com and you just want to try it out, then you can download it. Please rate and review. It definitely helps. And if you have any comments or suggestions or feedback, please let me know. I love talking to the users and I really love what I'm doing and want to help more people get into golf and make it the world a better place in that sense. Nice, nice. Love that. So, hey, Roderick, why don't we leave it at that? So as I always do, I will include in this episode's show notes all the links that Roderick just talked about there to make it easy for our listeners to find it. Also, we'll include a lot of those things in the bio page for Broderick here also. So hey, Broderick, why don't we leave it at that? This has been awesome. I really enjoyed this conversation. So thanks so much for joining me today as my guest on the ModGall podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Colin. I really appreciate being here. So that'll do it for this episode of the ModGall podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Broderick Higby, founder at DataHinge and the creator of Golf AI. If you'd like to learn more about Broderick and download the Golf AI app on your iPhone, Android version coming soon, visit our episode show page where we've included website links and contact information. The video link for my extended conversation with Broderick is also in the episode show page. And please subscribe to our ModGolf YouTube channel while you're there. If you leave a comment, I promise to respond. Please join me next time for our final episode of Season 8, 
when my guest is Tad Fujikawa as he shares his journey and experience as the first openly gay male pro golfer. I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor partners, Golf Genius Software and British Columbia Golf, for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from golf's brightest innovators and influencers. Our friends at Golf Genius Software have added a new digital scorecard option to their live scoring capabilities of its tournament management platform. So if you're a golf course owner or operator, I suggest you check them out online at golfgenius.com to find out how they can help create less work, more fun, and more revenue. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.